As someone who loves Oreos, I'm a big apologist for Oreos. I do think in recent years, the Oreo branding and Oreo getting mixed in with other products has run amok. It's, yeah. Like, it's just, it's overused. Like, all the types of Oreos, that mo- most of which are terrible. Have you seen the uh, Oreo churros at Filiberto's? Uh, yes. And I'll be honest with you, Owen. Here's did here's you, the other problem with this. Tell me you didn't. I fall for it every time. It okay. sounds amazing. Yeah. Do you? Th- what do you think? So you've experienced you the, Oreo, the churros? Oreo churros? No, I I haven't I haven't fallen oh, prey okay. to them. You're just, just saying, yet, like, but I want to. The, the marketing is is working. I have been tempted. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then I'm always disappointed. Like I bought these weird. I just see Oreo. Well, basically, I just see things that I like smushed together, and I'm like, well, that's got to be good. I like almonds. I like Oreos. I like the flavor mint. <laughs> so, folks, this is the show. Brolitical discourse. It's sort of just a free form discussion between. Two brothers. We talk about political topics, and while neither of us is really an expert on anything, uh, we kind of just have long-form discussions, and you get to be a fly on the wall and just kind of listen to us talk. And then, uh, if you feel inclined, you can give us feedback. Yeah, we want to be intellectually honest, and we want to we want to call each other on our BS if we can. You know what I mean. We don't want to have an unfair discussion that's full of logical fallacies. Correct. We've mentioned it on previous episodes, but there's this really super duper cool website called yourlogicalfallacyis.com. It lists all of the logic or a lot of the logical fallacies and it explains them and stuff. So if we're being disingenuous or something like that, let us know intentionally or otherwise. If you've got any, um, any uh, logical fallacies that we have made that you want to tell us about, or you want to ask us a question, uh, maybe for something for us to talk about in a future episode, or just give us some comments about our show, you can reach us at brolyticaldiscourse at gmail.com. Uh, we've also got a Facebook page. You can hit us up there. So, Owen, what are we talking about this week? Well, this week, <clears throat> I think it would be nice to talk about political correctness. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. Um, and one of the things we had talked about is is that like free speech is obviously a constitutional right in the First Amendment, um, and I'm sure we'll bump up against that at some point during these conversations. Um, but we're not we're not trying to give um, complex constitutional legal arguments. We're we're just maybe talking about what should be regulated in terms of speech and what should not. Yeah. Um, and, and the thing to me that's interesting is, I guess, about the 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 thing is about the collision of these two topics of political correctness and also uh, the constitutional right to free speech is that I think they they kind of uh, collide and become sort of a, a super issue on college campuses because they are supposed to be um, places where free speech is welcome and allowed and stuff like that. Um, but it's also, I think, no surprise to, to hear that most, a lot of universities, at least in America are, um, probably very liberal. Um, and, and also along with that comes a lot of political correctness and, um, awareness of the things that people say and how they say them and why they say them. So, so we're, so we do actually have, I think, have to engage with like, is it legal to say this on a college campus or is it legal to force someone to not say this on a college campus? I remember last episode you had kind of touched on that. You were, uh, 
we were talking about like if Milo Yiannopoulos is, you know, supposed to supposed to speak at a college campus and then students riot, or not riot, they protest mm-hmm. peacefully, um, and then the college cancels that speech, uh, the the appearance by Milo Yiannopoulos, then that is maybe an infringement on the First Amendment. Is that something you were saying maybe because because it's on a college campus? Yeah, I would say so. Um, and there's a distinction between public funded universities and mm-hmm. private schools. I feel like if it's a like a private college, they have maybe more of a right to ask someone not to speak based on their their like values as a as an organization and stuff. Yeah. So th- there's definitely a distinction there between uh, public and private because yeah. you don't have a, a right to to speak in someone's private establishment about whatever you want at any point in time. But if it's a, a public setting, then I think that free speech should definitely be um, of utmost importance and it should be protected at any cost. Yeah. I, I think I, I agree with at least that last bit. You know, the right to free speech is important. Um, but I don't believe that everyone has the right to a platform or the right to be heard by whoever they want. You know, to me, that's I agree with that. a, a, a big thing that I, I've i been thinking about with regards to um, Ale- uh, Alex Jones was kicked off of YouTube at some point in the past year or whatever. And Twitter, um, I think. Yeah, and also Twitter. And he's not the only one. Some other sort of alt-right type of individuals have have experienced the same thing and i don't know specifically what uh terms of service they violated but but usually they have you know those platforms youtube and twitter have grounds to get rid of them um and i think some i i know that some people are upset by that like oh they're just trying to censor me or trying to censor that person alex jones or whoever those platforms are like you said privately owned and operated things yeah uh, Jack Dorsey and Susan Wozniak or whatever her name is, the, the YouTube and Twitter people, anyone who's, you know, in charge of uh, any social media platform, they're entitled to allow anyone on their service or deny anyone um, access to their platform based on their, their terms. I don't think there's anything illegal with it, uh, anything, you know, illegal about deplatforming someone mm-hmm. but i think the problem that people have is that there's an inconsistent standard and when they say that someone has violated the terms of service and that's why they've been kicked off the platform people can point to you know a similar example that's like someone saying a comparable thing or having a similar viewpoint you know tweeting out or uploading a video saying like essentially the same thing mm-hmm. um but for, for whatever reason, that uh, violation of their terms doesn't seem to warrant being kicked off the platform. Yeah. And so it seems more like there's just people in Silicon Valley or wherever that are just using their own discretion based on, you know, whether they disagree with someone, they're like deciding to take away their, um, you know, their access to to everyone on that platform. So that's, I think, slightly different because I agree with you. They have every right to say who can and can't be on their platform. They're 
a private company. But it's clear that they're not being forthright with how they actually decide these things. Mm-hmm. And there's not very, uh, there's not really any transparency there. I yeah, think that's the problem people have with it. It's clear that there's a selectivity. I think that's probably true. Like tons and tons of people probably violate the terms of service of YouTube and Twitter every day, maybe. Even even popular people. It's not like they're only targeting people who are, you know, having more influence. Mm-hmm. It's like influential people who are outspokenly anti-Semitic or whatever, but because they're on the political left, it seems like they sort of get overlooked. Mm-hmm. And I think that's indicative of just kind of the homogeneity of like thinking politically in Silicon Valley in that whole region. It seems mm-hmm. like everyone is kind of uniform in thought and it doesn't reflect society at large. It just reflects the, you know, the type of people working at this company. Yeah. So. Uh, I, I wonder like, obviously there is an inconsistency there or at least the uh, the possibility for it but I, I believe you in that assumption that there is one but but I'm wondering like does it, as a private entity does Twitter or Facebook or YouTube have any obligation to act otherwise or like if they if they are like you say and I think they probably are uh, in Silicon Valley more left-leaning um, it it kind of you know serves their interests or their desires to maybe suppress speech that they think is um, that works against those efforts. Mm-hmm. So like, does it like it to me, it's like, why wouldn't they just, you know, censor the people who they don't like because they, they can, you know? Yeah. So I think that there's probably a good case to be made that, you know, well, I already said, I don't think they're breaking the law. Um, but there's a difference between that and being viewed as like an ethical company and, I think people are getting fed up with that. The the feeling that there is, you know, like sort of a, a corrupt system in place. Um, people, uh, there's a lot of like YouTubers who have been leaving Patreon recently mm-hmm. because of the same thing. Uh, some, some, I think like a right-wing commentator um, was kicked off of Patreon because he um, used the n-word in a video on someone else's channel which I don't know I, I think he was using it to prove a point regardless you know I wouldn't choose to use that language but he was kicked off the platform and the rule that they claimed that he violated was he was like espousing a hateful message on his channel which uh-huh. he wasn't he never used that language on his own channel it was on like some other show that he appeared on that he spoke with someone about that he spoke with someone on and it so it was like this this whole thing where they I think they essentially decided they didn't like someone based on either that thing that he said which is understandable or or just his overall view on life and matters political and deplatformed him and it's very clear that he didn't actually break any of their rules Mm -hmm. I think people just view that as an unethical practice. Like, yeah. you claim to have a system in place as if there's some algorithm, and if I say these words, I'll get kicked off. But really, right. it's not any... It's not like that, because it's it's more 
you can tell that there's like some uh, an individual on the other end who's making these decisions on a one by one basis based on like yeah. I don't like this person I don't like Alex Jones well I Owen Ryan don't like Alex Jones but like you know it's just it seems very clear to me that it's it's targeted at certain individuals and it's not a consistent standard and so I think people are getting fed up with that and although it's not illegal I would say that it's, it's just not good it's not very honest Mm-hmm. So, I I feel like I'm of two minds about this because I do understand the the frustration with the uh, inconsistency and the the unequal treatment um, of people of different uh, of differing political beliefs. An example or, or a sort of analogy I was thinking of is that. Uh, in the YouTube community, um, if somebody uses uh, some of your video content in one of their own videos, um, even if it is legal, there are mechanisms through the YouTube uh, reporting system by which a uh, video creator can pretty easily get another video copyright stricken and taken down, even though, again, it is legal, but YouTube sort of like overprotects um, just so that they don't violate the, you know, statutes. Mm -hmm. And so basically some YouTubers will take advantage of this by only copyright striking people who post negative videos about them. Um, but of course, if someone else uses the exact same footage, but is, is like, I don't know, t talking about how awesome that YouTuber is or something, then, then they won't, mm -hmm. uh, copyright strike them. And a lot of people in the YouTube community are frustrated by that, um, sort of bastardization of the of the rules and the system, or, or like taking advantage of the the rules to sort of pervert them and use them for a purpose that they weren't intended for. Yeah. Um, and <clears throat> so I get like the hypocrisy of that, <clears throat> and I understand the criticisms of it, but I also I don't know if I could say that if I was in charge, I wouldn't do the same thing if I had that power. Because, like, mm -hmm. I do it in a small way in in my own life. Like, I will unfollow or, or like, mute people or individuals on the internet that I, that upset me by the things that they say. Mm -hmm. um, even if what they're saying is perfectly legal, um, I, I will sometimes do that. And I, I'm sure, I don't know, I would be a more well-rounded person if I didn't do that. But, like, I... I would say... I feel I, like I that's different different than being a platform that, you know, claims to to be universal, to give everyone access to it. I do the same thing, you know, it's like, okay, this person's really annoying, maybe I'll block them. But there's a difference between blocking something so that you can't see it and removing someone else so that no one can see it, you know? Yeah. So like as an individual, it's fine if I choose not to listen to a certain source or individual or, you know, follow them or whatever. But as a platform to then take away everyone else's access to that person, that's, I think, just a, a different level. Mm -hmm. And then also another thing, another consideration here is that with um, companies like Facebook position themselves as, you know, just a level, like, open platform for everyone to use 
as they see fit. But when they start, you know, they're essentially hosting news articles on there. Mm-hmm. A lot of people get their news from Facebook nowadays. And if they start choosing which news sources and outlets are like more or less credible and changing them in the rankings, which they've been known to do, or mm-hmm. deplatforming someone who is a, you know, as crazy as they might be, they're someone's source of entertainment or news. Once they start mm-hmm. doing that, they're no longer like an unbiased platform. They're more of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're like... Uh, an editor or... Yeah, they're edit Or they... They they clearly are making a decision on what type of information and what sources are allowed. Yeah, they're an editor. They're they're almost like a, a news source themselves. You know, they're like mm-hmm. publishing material because they are using their own discretion to decide what people are seeing and what they're not seeing. And as soon as they do that, they're they could be liable as publishers for every bit of slander or every copyright violation, you know, like images that have been used illegally, everything on their platform, they become liable for. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the right thing to do. It's like if they want to be, if Facebook wants to be a publishing company, which it seems to be taking on some of the responsibilities that a publisher would have, then they should face all of the other responsibilities. You know, if... CNN had like crazy stuff, you know, like attacking people and just all this crazy stuff on their uh, website or whatever every day. They would have backlash, you know. They and they yeah. would, um, they would be legally liable because there's probably slander and stuff in there. Like I said, so it's yeah. I I understand what you're saying because as soon as Facebook starts making decisions as to what gets shown and what doesn't, I agree with you that, that they are entering, uh, whether they are intending to or not, they're entering that sort of journalistic or political arena by, you know, messing with the knobs and levers to decide what people see and what, what they think and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the difficult thing about this is that, like, the the rules in place even the terms of service that the the platforms have put put forth as their own rules themselves are i think structured they are structured for like social platforms and entertainment platforms like youtube's yeah. terms of service are that are meant to regulate like okay these are these are we have we make videos uh, we we have people host videos on here and uh people can watch them and have fun with them and and we don't want to break copyright law and that's those are our goals but the internet has has grown to be so much more and these websites have grown to be so much more important and uh encompass so much more in our of our lives than what they appear to be on on the surface like facebook mm-hmm. is not just a pl- a place for pictures and instant messaging or what or whatever you know like it is it's it's a larger it's it's very hard to to quantify it and explain what what all it encompasses but it's not just like oh well you can here's a platform you can post pictures or you can post things if you want everything's on there isn't that um, crazy yeah like it, i remember it's, when it's, it was like you you try to come up with like little witty things to i mean that aspect of it is still there that's mostly what i use it but for the fact that people are like you know 
engaging in trade, buying and selling and like transactions and getting their news from there and like mm-hmm. just I don't know. It's crazy how much it's how much it's grown and changed. Yeah. Like in terms of the way it's viewed, its purpose and stuff. It's difficult. I just don't know. Like I'm trying to think of like what is the answer because if if Twitter says Alex Jones, you can't have an account, but person on the left who who is also violating the terms of service in some way, but we're okay with it, you can keep your account. There's hypocrisy there, mm-hmm. but what is there a solution? What I think what the would only that be? solution would be. I don't know. I, th- I think it's just what it's going to take is for them to cross a line that enough people are, you know, not okay with that they leave. There's just a mass exodus and everyone finds a new platform. And I think there's nothing saying that can't happen. Like, we're just assuming that, you know, Facebook and Twitter are going to rule forever. It's like, no. Mm-hmm. Before them, there was something else. Before that, there was something. It's, you know everything and soon it will be tiktok maybe i'm half joking oh, and half gosh, not sure i hope not <laughs> i hope not too i don't that is the darkest timeline if tiktok becomes the if that's like everyone's news source well, no stop cnn it. Stop is it. <laughs> you have to do at cnn do, Dude, <laughs> sorry I'm this is cry. a nightmare <laughs> uh, anyway sorry like you said though it's not it's not they're not they're obviously monolithic in the sense that facebook is huge but there's no reason why Facebook has to exist forever. Mm-hmm. And so MySpace didn't. And anyway, yeah, MySpace and Friendster. Mm-hmm. So I've seen it happen in like Club very Penguin. small increments. Sorry. You'll see <laughs> Club Penguin. Club Penguin was a monolith. Yeah, yeah. How the mighty have fallen. <laughs> I used to get my news from Club Penguin. <laughs> Did you really? I had a friend, huh? Wait, is this a joke? I thought you were joking. This no, this is no. Of course, this is a joke, Owen. Okay, sorry. I'm sorry. I apologize. You may continue. Now. I would get my Club Penguin news from Club Penguin. Everything mm-hmm. else, I would get elsewhere. Actually, I didn't yes. pay attention to the news when I played that. I was too young to care. I would read those those newspapers. I don't know why. It was a complete waste of time. I, <laughs> especially because they would be like advertising the new um cosmetic items that you could get but only if you're a member and i wasn't so all i could do was buy different colors of skin and different colored uh puffles or whatever they're called yeah anyway back to politics <laughs> now let's talk about club penguin a little more <laughs> i'm enjoying this <laughs> no, i'm just kidding so i've seen uh like with the patreon thing as soon as that happened there were a bunch of people affiliated with this guy who was kicked off of patreon who also decided to leave like in protest and now they're just Mm -hmm. finding their own way to raise money and you know i don't know what happened to alex jones but i assume he still has a show he probably just you know puts it up on his website somehow uploads Mm -hmm. a video and circumvents youtube and twitter and all that right so it's i don't know so maybe the market will self-correct. Maybe if yeah. it becomes very evident that Facebook has a super duper clear bias, then people will be like, screw this, I'm out. And then I mean, maybe go somewhere see, else. I think it's already clear that they have a bias, but I think that not enough people care because it's like they, you know, they were very clever. They chose someone who no one wants to side with, you know, Mark. with Alex Jones. I'm using that oh. example still because I feel like it's, I don't know, it's just a good case to use. Yeah, 
it's yeah but like no one you know i'm not gonna leave well i'm not even active on twitter but i I wouldn't be that upset that i leave because it's like well didn't really care for his voice but i feel like you know his voice in politics i'm saying like his you know the message he was sending out i don't think it was positive but at the same time like in principle we should all care sure and so it's i don't know maybe if there's some like mainstream uh, very like rational the voice someone who's like beloved by all if they were deplatformed then people might be like wait what and even then they would have to it would have to be like undeserved you know mhm because there are certain people who you know lose the platform based on a legit violation of the terms of service and i think that's fair um so yeah i don't know what the solution is uh, yeah. i assume eventually something will take its place mhm but whatever takes its place might be equally um like ideological you know that's what i was going to say is i feel like i don't doubt that things will change in terms of what what social media platforms or are you know important to our society but i wouldn't be surprised if they become more segmented and more i don't know just divide like like you you have your bubble say say facebook got split down the middle in two mm. and all the liberals went to one website and all the you know conservatives went to another website yeah i could see that happening that might be the worst thing that could happen yes like probably echo chambers are already a big enough problem if it was a completely different platform or site that everyone was using yeah that would yeah that would be a big problem mm-hmm. so I, yeah okay how about college campuses want to go back to that yeah yeah so, let's do it what do we do there <laughs> because speech free speech seems to be it's kind of like on the decline on college campuses is that fair to say like well, free speech what do you mean are, by that um, so I feel like it's on the chopping block, it, it, like yeah. politically or whatever. But what do you mean by it's on the decline? Well, there's just, um, I've seen a lot of intolerance towards diversity of opinion. Mm-hmm. And there have been many colleges where uh, professors are just like, you know, being shouted down by their students for no apparent reason. You know, they sh- they Other have no need to... The students disagree. Well, yeah, they disagree. Uh, I, I really don't know what it is, but the whole safe space culture and the idea that colleges are not supposed to be an intellectual place. They're supposed to be a home, in the words of some video I saw, a student freaking out saying, you know, this is not supposed to be an intellectual space. It's supposed to be a home. Like, oh. colleges are supposed to be intellectual spaces. If anywhere is supposed to be a a space for learning. It's a college campus. And I think by, you know, over-sensitizing everyone to every little, you know, slight that we're really, we're hindering the ability to think freely and to, to really learn. That's what colleges are for. And I feel like that's kind of going by the wayside in favor of, everyone feeling happy and comfortable and at home. Yeah. I I do agree with that as a trend. 
I, I, I do think that that trend is, uh, has occurred or is occurring because I think traditionally, like you're saying, the, one of the beautiful things about college campuses is the exposure to new ideas and the ability to have intellectual, you know, discussions about all sorts of things. And, and that's awesome. Like I, I was exposed to so many new ideas, um, and new ways of life that I was unaware of before going to college. And I'm grateful for that experience. And without, uh, that, without that, that intellectual diversity, one of the primary purposes of, of universities are, are lost. I think you're right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I guess though, I'm trying to think of like what, so there's, there is that trend there is, there is, I think that, that traditional desire for intellectual diversity is less less now, and what I think has somewhat taken its place is a desire for safety. I don't know, sure, or or like more like like into like I don't know what I'm trying to say other than like uh, a moral standpoint that the left point of view is morally superior, and because of that, other ideas shouldn't be given the time of day. Yeah. And to be clear, I do, I, I think by definition, political people who are, have strong political beliefs do believe that their side is morally superior. It's why they believe that, you know? Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you, that you can't listen to the other side and, and let that shape your understanding of the way things are. And you, know? you, you I think you must listen to the other side in order to understand, you know, why you disagree with them or not sorry not that you must listen to them but that you must allow them to speak in some capacity and you should try your best to understand the arguments of you know people with whom you disagree so i i understand what you're saying and i think that the argument that's used is that you know there are some people um like on the radical right it seems to be is you know it's basically it's anyone who's slightly right of center on college campuses they're seen as dangerous it's like if they are allowed to speak our lives are actually in jeopardy and that's sort of the the panic that you see a lot of times when students are protesting speakers and i don't know it could be a genuine sense of panic but then i feel bad for them i don't know who put it in their mind that you know that their lives are in danger by having you know someone who disagrees with them speak at their school but that's not a real threat not in the united states in 2019 you know mm -hmm. there there's small fringe radicals and we can all identify them um but when you start lumping together everyone who disagrees with you as dangerous and not deserving of a platform to speak i think that's just obviously stupid but i don't know i uh i i think it's it's okay to believe that ideas are dangerous because i think some are um but i think probably the proper response to dangerous ideas is to shed light on them and ex and and point the finger at them and say, Hey, this is really bad. Um, not to simply try to stifle it out. Cause I don't think that will work. People are having those ideas regardless. And right. so, yeah, if at least you're aware of what people are saying, then you 
have the ability to formulate um, a rebuttal. It's it's good to to know your enemy politically speaking. You know, just also I think um, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast but before, but the idea of steel manning someone's um, argument, which mm-hmm. is the opposite of straw manning. So you instead of fighting a, a straw man argument, you try to come up with the best um, logical argument you can for your opponent. And in doing so, you you understand the actual the reasoning behind what they're saying and not just the, the easy-to-attack sort of yeah. message that you would, you would like them to believe. Yeah, like if you want to have true... In, if you truly want to learn, I think that's the only way to do it is to argue against or disagree with the best version of another's ideas or, or arguments that you that you want to disagree yeah. with. Otherwise, I mean, you know, sometimes it's fun to debate just, you know, because you want to win, but it's like then it's just a sport and you're not really trying to learn. But if you're willing to give honest thought to someone else, doesn't matter how different your opinions are, you know. You're trying to maybe not change your mind and come around to their way of thinking, but just but to have an honest understanding of what it is they're saying and not just trying to shut them up. Because if you can honestly understand them, then you know how to speak with them. Um, maybe you won't resent them as much because you'll know where they're coming from. Maybe they'll mm-hmm. come around to your point of view. It's just it's better in general to, like you said, let all the ideas out in the sunlight, you know, kind of see them for what they really are, and then talk about them. I think just communication in general is good um, in interpersonal relationships and in a public setting too, free speech. The, the, uh, the solution to, you know, hate speech is more free speech that counteracts it and is more reasonable, more logical, and more appealing to people. Not shutting people up and protesting them. That's my view, anyway. Mm-hmm. I I agree. Um, I will say though, one of the things you mentioned kind of, I guess, reminded me of this. That um, I you I, you I think you were talking about like debate as a sport, and that mm-hmm. just for some reason. Uh, reminded me of a lot of videos that I see on YouTube. Uh, it's kind of well, that one has kind of become a meme, which is like Ben Shapiro destroy. Yeah. <laughs> ben Shapiro absolutely destroys such and such, or or uh, what's his face, Jordan Peterson annihilates, demolishes liberal cuck. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, yeah, I I well sometimes I'll watch those because I find them to be interesting, and I also feel like it's like intellectual and political junk food it's like this i know this is not helping me become a better person but i can't look away sometimes and maybe that's (laughs) bad but um i personally detest that stuff like it's so frustrating to me when the end goal is to win and maybe make the other person look stupid or you have a funny joke at the end or whatever Mm -hmm. i it's frustrating to me and i but again i understand why it's enticing and why people enjoy watching it and stuff but like that is that that if that's your goal is to win an argument or to look the best or whatever i think that's not helpful i think that's not intellectually honest mm-hmm. um 
I I've listened a lot to both of the guys you just mentioned, and I think that neither of them that's not like their mo all the time sure but i think the, yes the youtube I, community likes to hype that up and yeah they sensationalize it quite a bit yeah although i think i don't remember uh, i don't remember. i thought it was on the daily wire is that ben shapiro's show yeah i think or, he founded that or whatever i think i thought i saw some videos that that channel had posted that were kind of silly clickbaity titles but pa- yeah. maybe i'm wrong but no i think they, everyone Take it easy they on play to their base. Dumb. Yeah, probably. I, I, f- I also feel like every time we sort of touch on this, I feel like I'm sur- like secretly just like patting myself on the back because it's like, well, we do this show. We're so great. We don't have, <laughs> we don't have animosity. We're just nice brothers being friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I kind of, that, that is why we, at least one of the main reasons why I wanted to do the show because I think... That I think this is better than a lot of other forms of discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was sorry. about to get really sappy and and like sentimental. I don't know, but <laughs> maybe I will anyway. Sure. I feel I'm like curious, if what did people you mean? could treat one another as if they were a loved one, you know, mm-hmm. who simply had a, a difference of opinion and just like assume the best intentions unless someone gives you a reason to believe that they are you know dishonest or whatever just assume that they don't have malicious intent mm-hmm. and then go from there you know yeah if they if they prove to you that they are a scumbag you can accept that but until then don't make don't make those assumptions about people i think that's oh and i think that's awesome mm-hmm. like yeah you hear often people in the political realm saying that the other side is evil or stupid. Um, and I think those, like those two terms in particular are very troubling because like, I, (laughs) I believe that 99% of people are not evil. Like, I think that people do bad things, but I think most of most people generally are trying to do the right thing. Perhaps I'm, I'm wrong about that, but yeah, but also the stupid thing, everyone, is doing the right thing sure but for sure everyone at least believes they are so starting Mm -hmm. from there everyone thinks they're doing the right thing so just you know some people are right some people are wrong i believe in objective truth but yes that comes about through discussion we need to you know at least treat people with respect and not berate them or treat them as just like you know a a punching bag Mm -hmm. like a, a verbal punching bag you know, just training, trying to, you know, sharpen your skills in the setting of a debate. I think that's fine. That's appropriate. But like just when dealing with other people normally, mm-hmm. they're, yeah. they're not trying to, to be evil. So don't treat them that way. Just like give them the benefit of the doubt and then try if, you know, if the truth is on your side, just try to express it in the best way possible. I, I have a question for you. Maybe, I don't know if this will be the last thing that we discuss, but mm-hmm. I've been thinking a little bit about how the way that I talk, the, the things that I say, and maybe the way that I regulate my speech is different based on who I'm talking to and the type of person I'm talking to, where they come from and what they believe and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's a little frustrating to me that I that I do that because it feels disingenuous and two-faced or whatever. But... I also don't know 
if there's a smarter, better way. Because I think if I was 100% perfectly honest about every single thought I had, I I would not have many friends and stuff, you know? I think that's natural. I've just been, I've just been wondering, like, what do you think about self-regulation of speech? Like, like I, this is a broad question. I apologize. I but, like, is that... A lot of people. If you're do it. talking to a political op- opponent, someone who disagrees with you, versus just a friend who agrees with everything you say, should you be saying the same type of stuff or what? No, I. Well, I don't know, but what I can say is that I do self-regulate, and uh, I wouldn't change the, the things I believe or say, but mm-hmm. um, definitely the amount of opinions that I share might vary depending on a crowd. You know, if I don't know people and it's a professional setting, I'm not just going to be like blabbing on about my political opinions or whatever. Yeah. And then in a similar way, you know, regulating like the type of speech, if I'm more likely to use profanity, if I'm, you know, I, I try to avoid it at all costs, but like depending on who I'm with, my you might say crust i might say you might say crust cuss um bottom what is one of the other things that there's paul lots says? of bad words out there heckle deckle yeah heckle deckle paul has a lot of good cusses cuss substitutes at least mm-hmm. yeah so i but think yes, everyone no, I think self-regulates you know your audience i think that's that's fair yes um but i i would never like go along with <laughs> So I would never like pretend to think something that I don't when talking with someone yeah. else. I mm-hmm. That's good. Try my best to be honest and convicted, but the amount to which I share and the language that I use could change depending on the setting, who I'm talking with, and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's normal. Yeah. Okay. I think it is too. I just wish I didn't. I wish I didn't have to do that for some reason. I just it feel would be like nice. I'm, I feel like I'm sometimes like like lying by omission by not saying some things that I think people wouldn't like, but I don't say them because I don't want to upset anyone or whatever. I don't know. Well, I'm, I'm, this is a very strange, feel large question. I'm to just... share everything every time it's an opportunity is presented. You know, like if you want to. And if the person, you know that they'll understand that it's coming out of a place of just discussion and not, you know, shutting them down. Like if mm-hmm. you know that you wouldn't self-regulate uh, when you're talking with me, right? Yeah. Like you pretty much say what you're thinking. I do. And, that, so. and that's, so I guess the thing is though, th- I I feel comfortable talking with you and I don't feel judged ever talking to you and I'm grateful for that, but I know that there are other people who have very similar beliefs that you have that I wouldn't be this frank about things with. And I, and I don't know why other than I, I just don't want to make them mad or or make them not like me or whatever. Um, and that to me sometimes feels like dishonest because, uh, I, (laughs) maybe I should be more consistent or something. Uh, uh, (laughs) I don't think that's inconsistent. I think just sometimes there's people that you know we have a whole hour to talk about something if yeah. if you don't have a long time to talk about an issue with someone and it would be more of a passing comment that then they you know take issue with and then don't say anything that's mm-hmm. that's the worst is when like 
someone shares something and then uh, someone doesn't say something but is really offended and then they're just like passive aggressive. I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I, again, I think it just depends on the setting. You shouldn't feel dishonest for changing up your speech patterns or whatever. Yeah. This is one of the reasons, though, why I feel like I'm so much more effective at communicating through writing mm. than I am at speaking. I've definitely gotten better at it, especially since studying trial advocacy and stuff. Yeah. But, like, I feel like I'm just so much more... I'm, I'm able to so much more effectively say what I want to say in the way that I want to say it when I write. Yeah. So maybe we should, maybe we should instead of this being a podcast, make it be emails that we put in a chain email that we forward to people (laughs) yeah just have an instant messaging chain (laughs) yeah so let us know what you think about that idea um (laughs) send us a message let us know if you would rather have this as a written transcript because now we're Uh, seriously considering that it just seems like the right way to go from this point on this is probably the last episode (laughs) at least in this format yeah anyway (laughs) (laughs) no you want to tie it up there sure so we jumped around quite a bit today but we really did it was fun and yeah. uh again neither of us has a whole lot of like expertise if anything patrick more than me because he's studying law but we're just you know having it's a discussion expert, and it it's mm-hmm. very free-flowing yeah so let us know what you thought um if we missed out on any really crucial element of the discussion you can let us know um, if you have any questions comments or corrections you can shoot us an email and uh, what is that email again it's brolitical discourse at gmail.com before we posted our first episode i made sure to camp out all of the brolitical discourse account names on everywhere except for tiktok though some if I if you're listening to this, it's probably still available. You can go ahead and uh, I think it's safe to say we won't be using TikTok. <laughs> uh, I hope not, Owen. I hope not. I hope it doesn't become necessary for us to use TikTok. Me too. Ugh. Yeah. So scary. Oh, and any we do have a Snapchat though. I did get political discourse Snapchat, and again, Snapchat. I don't think we'll use that either. Yeah. How Sorry, you... I'm yammering. I don't... What can we even do with a Snapchat for a podcast? I don't think. No idea. That's applicable. Oh, well. So, shoot us a message. Let us know if we used any fallacies, anything like that. Mm-hmm. We will yeah. be back again soon with another episode on who knows what. It could be anything. Yes. And also, um, if you did like our show and you want to help us out, one thing I would like is if you would just tell a friend or a loved one about the show. Um, maybe someone you agree with politically, maybe someone you disagree with, and you just want to uh, introduce some, I don't know, friendly discussion into their life. Or better yet, recommendation. a complete stranger. Sure. Just tell them about the show. Yeah. Folks, thank you for listening. Patrick, I love you. I love you? <laughs> we'll see you next week. That sounded disingenuous. It sounded like I was asking a question. (laughs) Wait, I love you? When did that happen? I guess we're not at the same level then. All right, that's fine.